Today's reading is taken from First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verses one to twenty-five. First Corinthians chapter fourteen, verses one to twenty-five. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. For anyone who speaks in a tongue does not speak to people but to God. Indeed, no one understands them. They utter mysteries by the Spirit, but the one who prophesies speaks to people for their strengthening, encouraging, and comfort. Anyone who speaks in a tongue edifies themselves, but the one who prophesies edifies the church. I would like every one of you to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets. So that the church may be edified. Now, brothers and sisters, if I come to you and speak in tongues, what good will I be to you, unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or word of instruction? Even in the case of lifeless things that make sounds, such as the pipe or harp, how will anyone know what tune is being played unless there is a distinction in the notes? Again, if the trumpet does not sound a clear call, who will get ready for battle? So it is with you. Unless you speak intelligible words with your tongue, how will anyone know what you are saying? You will just be speaking into the air. Undoubtedly, there are all sorts of languages in the world, yet none of them is without meaning. If then I do not grasp the meaning of what someone is saying, I'm a foreigner to a speaker, and a speaker is a foreigner to me. So it is with you, since you are eager for gifts. Sorry, it jumped. <laughs> since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. For this reason, the one who speaks in a tongue should pray that they may interpret what they say. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. So what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit, but will also pray with my understanding. I will sin with my spirit, but I will also sin with my understanding. Otherwise, when you are praising God in the spirit, how can someone else who is now put in the position of an inquirer say Amen to your thanksgiving? Since they do not know what you are saying, you are giving thanks well enough, but no one else is edified. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you, but in the church I would rather speak five intelligible words to instruct others than ten thousand words in a tongue. Brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. In regard to evil, be infants, but in your thinking, be adults. In the law, it is written, "With other tongues and through the lips of foreigners, I will speak to these people." But even then, they will not listen to me," says the Lord. Tongues then are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers but for believers. So, if the whole church comes together and everyone speaks in tongues, and inquirers or unbelievers come in. Will they not say that you are out of your mind? 
But if an unbeliever or an inquirer comes in while everyone is prophesying, they are convicted of sin and are brought under judgment by all, as the secrets of their hearts are laid bare. So they will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks very much. Um, if you could have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians 14, that would be great. It's a this passage, um, gift of tongue, gift of prophecy. People have a lot of experience and opinions about, um, but I really want to speak from God's Word. Um, and I want you to check that it is uh, from uh, coming from God's Word. So please have your Bibles open um, to 1 Corinthians 14 as we go through it. And can I also recommend that uh, last week uh, the bishop came and preached, uh, but in the second service uh, we went on with the series uh, filled with the Spirit, and there was a sermon of 1 Corinthians 13. I'd love for you to listen to it um, because this, what I'll say, follows uh, from what uh, Neil said last uh, last week uh, from 1 Corinthians 13. So do look it up on the website, do look it up um, on our app, and do listen to it. Um, But let's pray that God will speak to us um, this morning. Lord, we once again give you thanks that you are a speaking God, that you have spoken the world into existence. You have spoken um, uh, to our hearts and given us uh, faith. And we pray now that through these words, you will speak to us, that it will shape the way that we live our lives. It will shape the way that we, um, we act and live as Shatin Church together. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Shatin Church is made up of many, many people from all sorts of backgrounds. And if you come from a church that talks a lot about spiritual gifts, I'm sure you're happy that we finally, I finally addressed the topic of spiritual gifts from 1 Corinthians 12. Gift of prophecy, gift of tongue, uh, healing, miraculous works. And you might have been slightly disappointed (laughs) then, last week, there was the chapter on love, right? And Because you wanted to hear more about these gifts. But if you come from a church that doesn't talk about spiritual gifts that much, you're very happy that there was this interlude in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 where it talks about love. You didn't know exactly what chapter 12 was all about, but you could say amen to every word in chapter 13. Yes, love is the best thing. Love is the most excellent way. Prophecy, tongue, knowledge will all pass away, but love will remain. You said amen, amen. And you might have said, well, these gifts, well, they're so confusing. Why bother with them at all? If love is the most excellent way, I'll just love. Well, Paul does start our chapter by saying, follow the way of love. Love is the most excellent way. But Paul doesn't leave us with just love, does he? He says, follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit. You see, it's not either or. It's not either love or spiritual gifts. It's pursue love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. In fact, following the way of love means at the most fundamental level that we will desire different gifts. We will desire greater gifts so that we can love more effectively, so that we can love more. 
Love, in fact, should be the reason why we wanted spiritual gifts in the first place. Why we desire more gifts. I don't know about you, but for many people, knowing this list of spiritual gifts becomes an excuse for not loving others. I'm not an evangelist, so I'm not going to evangelize. Is that loving towards non-Christians? I don't have the gift of generosity, so I'll just give this much. Is that loving? I don't have the gift of prophecy, so I'll actually just concern myself with things, my own affairs. What if somebody could really use a word from God? I don't have a gift of hospitality, so I'm not going to have people over. Is that loving? Right? No, sisters and brothers, we are commanded to love. We are told to build others up. And these gifts, yes, they are a way of doing them more effectively. But all of us can do these things on some level. Anyone can teach. Right? But if you have a gift of teaching, it means that you are more effective in your teaching, in building people up. Anyone can hear. God can speak to anyone, and anyone can hear from God. But if you have a gift of prophecy, you might be able to discern God's voice more ably. All of us can evangelize, give generously, offer hospitality, pray for healing, have bold faith. But as we look around and as we see the needs of the church, We then desire those gifts so that we can meet those needs, that we can do our work more effectively. I grew up in a high Anglican church. My dad is a a, a minister as well. We had smells and bells um, in the church, but um, as with uh, many of these churches, uh, it wasn't attracting a lot of the younger people. And so my dad, I mean, knew lots of uh, good contemporary music and songs, but they weren't quite appropriate uh, with, uh, for organs. And so as a young person, I started to think, well, maybe this would be something that I could take up, right? I started asking God, God, please give me the gift of leading music. Help me to play the guitar, And then I started to practice, and I started asking God, and I started testing out my gifts to see if that could be used to build people up. Because that's the loving thing to do. I've seen people doing the same thing with children or youth ministries. People who aren't particularly gifted or called in that way, but loving children and, and youth meant that they started asking God. They started desiring the gift of teaching so that they could go and teach and love the youth and children. You see, desiring gifts should come, it it stems from love, not selfishness. Some people ask for spiritual gifts because they want to sort of power up. They think that uh, this is a way of becoming more spiritual, experience God more. Some people ask for spiritual gifts out of envy. Well, Jim has these wonderful gifts. God, I want them too. Some people ask because they want to stand out as a Christian from other people. You see, all these reasons have nothing to do with love. No, ask God for more gifts because you want to love others. You want to meet the other people's needs because you want to see the people around you grow in Christ. 
because you want to have the right tools to love in the church. Follow the way of love. At the very most basic, fundamental level, it means wanting these gifts so that we can love others. Are you loving enough to desire more spiritual gifts? Or are you content? Even as you see the needs around you, you think, I don't need these. But take a look at how that sentence in verse 1 ended. Follow the way of love and eagerly desire gifts of the Spirit, especially prophecy. Paul here singles out this gift of prophecy. Why? Well, that's what he talks about in the next section, verses 2 all the way to verse 20. But here's a a simple takeaway. Why prophecy? Because prophecy builds the body of Christ up. Love means desiring gifts that build the church, build up the church. But before we go any further, um, let me quote Leon Morris, uh, a commentator who's very helpful in defining what prophecy is. He writes, this is something like our preaching, but not it, it is not identical with it. It's not a delivery of a carefully uh, prepared sermon, but the uttering of words directly inspired by God. As we'll see, prophesying is speaking God's inspired word in that moment for that person or for that situation. Um, as miraculous as this might seem to you, actually, it was pretty mundane, right? Because even as people claim to say, I, had these, I, I received these words uh, from God for you, right? They needed to be tested. This is why gift of prophecy followed with gift of discernment. In fact, uh, Paul and others tell us to weigh these prophecies, to test them against the scripture, Right? We think that this is an extraordinary gift, but day to day, it looked actually fairly ex- uh, ordinary. On the other hand, though, in the church in Corinth, the gift of tongue, it seemed spectacular. And it seemed to have come directly from God. In the Corinthian church, if you spoke, uh, if you spoke in the, uh, if you had the gift of tongue, it meant that you became a spiritual person, a person whom, uh, for whom God gifted a, a foreign language, maybe even a language of angels. How could you be more spiritual than that? To say something that nobody else understands, but that is from God. Right, actually, this situation reminds me of what many of us went through in the late 80s, early 90s. It was the, when this, there was this great resurgence of interest in spiritual gifts, especially the gift of tongue. So many people started to speak in tongue that some were saying even that only those who spoke in tongue were real Christian. If you are a real Christian, then you, you were able to speak in a foreign language or in the language of angels. And to that situation, Paul's trying to speak and remember, even last week, the chapter on love, it started, at, it started with a warning about tongue. Chapter 13, verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men or of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And throughout this chapter today, Paul tries to put this gift of tongue in the right place. And Paul says, if we follow the most excellent way of love, 
then we should ask for gift of prophecy rather than gift of tongue. You see, when a person speaks in tongue, he may be saying the mysteries of the Spirit or speaking directly to God, as Paul writes, but it's still useless in building up other people. How can it when no one, including yourself, actually don't understand what you're saying? Your mind isn't engaged. Your understanding isn't there. On the other hand, if someone speaks a word, a message of prophecy, that can be understood. Those words can strengthen, encourage, and comfort. In verse 5, he puts it in the most plain terms. The person who speaks, who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongue. Not because gift of prophecy is a greater gift in the, in the sense that you need to be more spiritual, right, uh, in order to sp- uh, speak a word of prophecy, but because it's a greater gift because it's a, it's a gift that builds other people up. That's why it's greater. He follows, uh, follows up in verse by, uh, 5 by saying that even gift of tongue can, uh, can edify if it can be interpreted. Right? The issue is intelligibility. Issue is understandability. And his analogy of instruments in the next section makes the same point. If you have a beautiful instrument, a beautiful in- instrument like a harp, but you, you play all the, uh, you strum all the strings at once together, then actually it's useless. For a harp to be useful, for a harp to make beautiful music, each string need to be plucked separately. It needs to be understood together. Likewise, if a soldier sounds a trumpet, right? Da, 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 but the army isn't sure. Was that a call for retreat or was that a call for attack? If you don't understand, that trumpet call was useless. It's just blowing, verse 9, into the air. In order for it to be useful, it needs to be understandable. Well, of course, this doesn't mean the gift of tongue is useless, right, or illegitimate. And Paul says, after all, he prays in tongue more than any other people in in Corinth. Verse 18, he explains that when he uh, prays in tongue, his spirit is praying, verse 14, even though his mind is not engaged. In other words, he says that even though he doesn't understand what's going on, somehow he is edified. He is building himself up. The Spirit is building him up. So he says he does both. He speaks in tongue, but also he speaks with his mind, he says. But here's the important thing. In the church, in the public, he says in verse 19, he would rather speak five intelligible words than to speak 10,000 words and no one can understand God loves you very much is much, much more useful than somebody saying la, 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 la 10,000 times, 10,000 words because it's understandable, because it's intelligible, because it speaks to others and can build people up. We're often drawn to gifts that seem more spiritual and miraculous. The Corinthians valued speaking in tongue because it seemed like to them that it was a supernatural sign that they had become spiritual, that they had become a Christian. Brothers and sisters, verse 20, stop thinking like children. If we eagerly desire spiritual gifts, 
don't do it for childish reasons. And of course, a gift of prophecy isn't the only gift that can build people up. Paul talks about gift of tongue and prophecy here in, in this context because these were the gifts that were being exercised in church in Corinth, as we'll see next week. But he doesn't limit edifying gifts to, to the gift of prophecy. I don't know if you caught that in verse 12. Since you are eager for gifts of the Spirit, try to excel in those that build up the church. Try to excel in those, plural, in gifts, plural, that build up the church. There are many gifts that can build up the church. And what can build up the church might change depending on the church's needs. If you ask me, which gift that we need in Shatin Church right now to build ourselves up, I'd say we need uh, a gift of uh, mature Christians um, who have the gift of hospitality, mature uh, uh, mar- married couples um, who will open their house up, house, houses up and mentor younger Christians, invite people into their lives and model what it means to be a Christian. I think we need that in our church. We need to be spending our time and lives together and we, can, we need to see how people live and not confine discipleship just to the church or links groups or whatever it is. We need uh, uh, teachers, music leaders, kingdom kid uh, volunteers. We need more people who exhibit the gift of generosity in this materialistic city that's obsessed with worldly things. We need people who's able to speak God's truth in love to each other in one-to-one setting, in links group setting, it, when, when you meet uh, uh, for hiking together, eating together. As mentioned before, you know, there might be a time when we need or we, uh, when this extraordinary gift of healing or miraculous powers might be the thing that's necessary in this church. Indeed, gift of healing, Micah, I mean, I think it would be great for us. And so that's what we're praying, aren't we, right now for Micah. But day to day, we need the, the gifts that Paul mentions in verse 6. Some revelation, knowledge, prophecy, a word of instruction, literally a word of teaching. We need God's word to feed us, to assure us, to encourage us, to equip us to build us up. So, brothers and sisters, stop thinking like children. Be innocent in terms of evil. Don't have anything to do with evil, but think like adults. Desiring flashy gifts is childish. Desiring gifts that make us seem more spiritual is childish. Desiring gifts for ourselves is childish. Love means desiring gifts that build people up. What do you think would build Shatin Church up? And is that what you desire? Finally, love means desiring gifts that speak also to the outsiders. Verses 21 through 25. Uh, as you look down, this section is notoriously difficult. Uh, and verse 22 is at the heart of the difficulty. Tongues then are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers. Prophecy, however, is not for unbelievers, but for believers. 
How is the gift of tongue not a sign for the believer, but for unbeliever? Well, to explain that first bit, uh, Paul quotes in verse 21 from Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. With other tongues and through the lips of the foreigners, I'll speak to this people, but even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Isaiah was speaking at a time when the Israelites were far away from God. They were not believing in Yahweh God. And God says then, he will send foreigners, people who speak in foreign tongue. But then, uh, and that, that what they will bring is judgment. They will sack uh, Jerusalem, right? But even then, even after the judgment by, the, by these foreigners, people will still not listen, is what he says. In fact, the presence of the foreign tongue becomes a sign of God's judgment for the unbelievers. That's what he wants to say. Because the Corinthians thought the other way. They thought that speaking in tongue was a sign for the believer. Sign that says, you are Christian, you are spiritual. But then, um, yeah, but, but, but Paul says that speaking in tongue in public is actually not for the believers, but for the unbelievers, because it's not for the believer because he's saying, look, if you're a believer and if you care about building other people up, if you care about loving, you wouldn't speak in tongue in public, right? It's not the sign for the believer. But look at the result of what happens when you speak in tongue in public. They'll come in, right? They'll come in, and you're all speaking in tongue, and they'll say, you're crazy. God's not here, right? The effect of speaking in tongue is alienation, people being put outside of the church. It's sign of judgment for them. The presence of public speaking in tongue, right, tongue, tongue speaking in public, will in effect become a sign of judgment for the unbelievers, on the other hand, gift of prophecy is not for unbelievers, but for the believers because of its effect. And when everybody's speaking God's word to each other and an unbeliever comes in, the best case scenario is that that person is convicted in his heart. His heart is laid bare and he turns and says, oh, God is really here. God is alive. These words that you are speaking has power and it's speaking to me then it will become a sign for the believer because it will encourage you to say, actually, God is in the midst of us. You know, this sort of thing happens, I think, regularly, doesn't it? It's not quite prophesying, but prophesy, prophecy and, and, and preaching has much in common. In, in preaching, this happens all the time. It might be that we're speaking a very Christian message that has nothing to do with non-Christians, but then non-Christians come in. They hear God's word being preached, and they're cut to the heart. And they say, actually, God is here. Now, how many of you are converted in the church listening to a sermon that was preached for the Christian? God's word has power. And that's, that power will be a sign that God is with us. Prophecy is for the believers. I hope you follow that uh, a bit uh, What's the loving thing to do to those who are not Christian? Well, it's to speak intelligibly, clearly, from God's word, so that they might turn to Christ and see the presence, see the power of God's word. 
Corinthians were obsessed with spiritual gifts, but for all the wrong reasons. Love was not the reason. If we follow the way of love, where will that lead? Well, it will lead us to desire, desiring greater gifts. Not the gifts that seem supernatural, but the gifts that will build people up. The way of love will lead us to volunteer for Summer Kingdom Kids Program, gift of generosity, gift of, uh, 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 gift of administration, gift of help, gift that we need in Shatin Church right now to build each other up. Way of love will always speak to uh, speak in a clear and intelligible way to others, right? Way of love will lead us to speak God's word, uh, uh, God's truth, whether in words that are inspired for the moment or the words that are shaped by the scripture. These truths spoken at the right moment in one-to-ones as we read the Bible together, spoken in love as Christians go hiking together or eat together, they will build us up. They will assure us. They will remind us and encourage us and even engage those who are not Christian among us to see the power of God's word. Now, eagerly desire those gifts. Eagerly desire greater gifts. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you that you are God who is alive and active. Lord, we depend on you for our church's life. In all things that we do, we know that it is by the power of your spirit we're able to come together and be Shatin Church, be the church, the body of Christ. And Lord, we confess in so many ways that we have not been loving that we have been selfish. In so many ways, we've thought about ourselves and not the needs of the church and not the needs of others. Help us now to desire gifts. Help us now to desire gifts that build others up. Help us to desire gifts that speak your word faithfully and powerfully. And Lord, we pray that as we seek your gifts, as we seek and desire these gifts, that you will gift us with greater gifts, that we might speak your word, that we might do wondrous things that will be built up as the body of Christ, that will bring great glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.